breathe a deep sigh of relief in those moments. Uh, there are a couple things I want to remind you of. Ben is going to remind you about some of these things at the end of service as well. Um, but the first one is this. We have a Koine coming up this month. Uh, we've not been doing regular ongoing Koines in the last year and a half, two years now. Uh, part of that was COVID. Part of it was just trying to reestablish our ordinary rhythms so that then we could shake them up by doing something different as well. Uh, it's, it's hard to shake up the unordinary, right? Um, so on September 18th, uh, during our class time, we're going to interrupt the classes we've been doing for a week by doing Koine. Uh, and so I want to let you know, we start our new classes next Sunday. Uh, those are going to be uh, four different or three different classes. There's going to be an auditorium class. John Duffy is teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Don and I are going to be doing a class on the Chosen together. Uh, Don's going to be our primary teacher in that. We're going to be looking at season two. I'm technical support in a lot of ways. And when Don uh, gets lost up in the mountains, uh, I'll be there to cover class while he's gone. Um, but that's primarily, although I want to make this really clear, it's primarily for our young adults. But if you want to join the class, you're welcome to do it. We're not going to kick you out no matter how gray your hair or how bald your head, okay? We will allow you to join us for that class. Uh, and then finally, we have a ladies' class that's going to be meeting over here in room six. And that class is going to be uh, led by Lorinda, but there's going to be several other people involved in that class and the leading of that class. It's a discussion class based on a book called Growing Together. And that's for uh, the ladies in the congregation who would be interested in joining that. Um, that means this is the last Sunday that we're doing our James class here in the auditorium. Uh, during our class today, we're going to pass out some surveys for you to give some feedback on how class has gone. Although I'll say this, the overwhelming feedback that we've received is that it's been a really positive experience. And we're, we're grateful that it's been a positive experience for you. Uh, it's been a positive experience for me. This morning, I also want to I want to give some praise to someone uh, who would otherwise go unsung. If you notice, we don't have speakers up at the front here. I'm not holding a mic in my hand and speaking into a mic right here. Uh, that's because Josh Lubin fixed our very expensive amp with about an hour and a half of his own time at no cost to the congregation. Uh, I've told a number of people uh, it was the cheapest $2,000 we ever spent because we didn't spend the $2,000 to replace the amp. And so uh, this morning, be thankful to Josh Lubin and to the gifts that he's been given, the ability to solder very small things. Yeah, he, he deserves a round of applause. Uh, when you see him next time, tell him thank you uh, because he saved the congregation a lot of money uh, by, by being knowledgeable and capable in that area. This is the last Sunday that we spend in the Gospel of John, uh, and I hope for you it has been an experience in seeing the world through Jesus' eyes and dwelling with him in understanding how he approaches people, how it is that he interacts with them, what his priorities were, what he was trying to communicate about himself and God's desire for, for us. Um, if, if I haven't achieved that, if, if those who have preached this series along with me haven't achieved that, I apologize, but I sat in some of Kyle's sermons. I listened to Ben's sermon like 15 times because I, I genuinely thought it was that good. I think there were things in this series that are important for us to remember, things for us to reflect on, and I want to emphasize here, do not stop dwelling with Jesus. Find the stories in the Gospels that resonate with you and maybe those 
that don't, that push a little bit against who you are, that make you feel a little bit uncomfortable, because if you're supposed to be like Jesus and this is how Jesus is behaving, that's going to be hard for you. I think when we dwell with Jesus, our rough edges begin to get hewed off. And those parts of us that look the most like him become stronger and more emphasized. As Micah read to us this morning, John, John lays out his whole reason for writing his gospel in chapter 20. And, and he wraps it up by saying, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's a good resolution. If I were writing a paper in college and I handed it in to Sean Jones and it ended in that way, reaffirming the purpose that I had offered, I think I might get an A on that paper. There you go. But John doesn't finish where it's the right way to finish. John has an entire additional chapter, and, and there are people that debate, well, maybe this wasn't originally a part of the book. You know, maybe John, John had something added after the fact. Maybe he wrote two drafts and, you know, shuffled them together and handed the papers off to be distributed to the rest of the, the church, and, and one chapter got out of order or something. Well, here's the deal. I, I don't think that's how it worked because he wasn't writing on, you know, loose leaves of paper. I think John intentionally comes back to the story after telling us why he wrote it. In fact, the last chapter of John, to me, highlights one of the most essential qualities of Jesus that we need to adopt. Because after telling us why he wrote the book, why it is that we understand what Jesus did, who he was, that we might believe in him and have life in his name, we find a scene on a beach beside the ocean with a little charcoal fire and some disciples who have been very frustrated by a difficult night's fishing. And in the same way that Jesus had interacted with them on his first calling, Jesus tells them to cast again, try again, try it, try it once more. And it's, it's overwhelming to them. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. This is a callback in Jesus' ministry to the moment that he had met so many of those that followed him in life. And they have no doubt about who he is. They have no doubt that he is there for them. Peter jumps out of the boat in, in just absolute enthusiasm to run and see him. Now, he doesn't walk on water, but he definitely, he's forgotten that he's not prepared to swim, and it seems as though the boats actually kind of beat him to shore. I don't know. It's hard to tell in the story here, but it's, it's, it would have been more convenient for him to stay in the boat, I think, if he really wanted to get to Jesus in a timely manner. But what I love about this chapter, and we could talk about, do you love me? You know I love you. We could talk about what is it to you if John should live until I return. We could talk about the idea that Jesus has plans for all of these people and where they're going to go from here. 
but I don't think that's why John writes this chapter. I know I'm, you know, kind of trying to read out of the text something that maybe you don't see there, but what I see is a Jesus who lingers. John is the last, almost certainly, to write his gospel. There's a possibility that Luke wrote very late in the first century. We, we genuinely believe, though, that John is one of the last to write his gospel, and that there's a good possibility it's close to 100 AD when he completes it, and when it's distributed to the church, when they have the opportunity to access it. They all know the story of the ascension of Jesus, and the commission that he gives to his people, and the way in which they will live out that commission, and the special instruction that Jesus gives to the apostles, and the days that he spends with them following the resurrection. And John doesn't provide us any of that. Because what I think John wants us to hear is that Jesus lingers. The one who came to dwell with us, to tabernacle among us, to to thrust his tent into the neighborhood and say, I'm here to be with you, is not in a hurry to go. After the great accomplishment of the resurrection, after appearing to his disciples and affirming, I am, in fact, alive, this is my body, these are my hands, see where the nails were driven into my feet. He lingers. And he feeds them. And he sits by a little charcoal fire on the beach with them. Sometimes I wonder if maybe we feel like Jesus would be in a rush to get going. If he were here with us today, he'd have bigger, better things to do. He'd have bigger fish to fry, although here he's frying fish. I don't know. I know sometimes when I think about Jesus, I, I I imagine that if my life is kind of mostly sorted out, he's going to be occupied with someone else that I'm far enough down the road, Chris, you know, I just don't have time to sit here with you and talk. Get it figured out. I'll be back in a little bit. I'm going to go do the great work of ruling the kingdom. And that's not what Jesus does in John's gospel. He sits and stays and does the wholly unnecessary thing of feeding his apostles fish when they have a boat full behind them. These men could have fed themselves. They could have sat around a fire together and reminisced about their time following Jesus. Kyle pointed out last week, in some ways, maybe this is them defaulting to what's easy, because Peter's always been a fisherman. But I really genuinely believe that this is a moment where John is telling us that Jesus lingers, and he desires to linger with us, to be present with us. The dwelling of Jesus really, in fact, in the Gospel of John doesn't seem to come to an end. It ends in a long walk down the beach. I'm not going to quote the Footprints poem because I hate it. (laughs) But it ends in a long walk down the beach with Jesus in conversation with broken relationships mended with a little bit of wisdom about how these individuals might 
just get along with one another, even if Jesus has different purposes for them moving forward. And John's gospel doesn't end with the ascension. It ends with Jesus Jesus amongst his people. And I really feel as though this is something that John's gospel has been building to. I think as we read through what it is that Jesus says to his disciples about, uh, about preparing a place for them, about making sure that even when he leaves, he doesn't actually leave them less than they were before. He's going to provide them a comforter. He's going to provide his spirit for them, that his presence in his spirit will continue to be there. I was having... Uh, coffee with a number of people over the last week. I actually already preached this sermon uh, to Chuck, and so he's allowed to sleep, and I think he is right now. He's not. His eyes were open, and he nodded when I... Uh, maybe it was because he heard his name. I don't know. I wonder if the lesson we're supposed to learn from Jesus in all of this, and in reading this final chapter, when he has, as I genuinely believe, accomplished the great work of history, the salvation of humanity through his death, burial, and resurrection... It's the reminder that even after that, he wants to be with us. And if maybe what we're supposed to take away from that is a desire to linger with others as well. Sometimes at the end of service on Sunday morning, most times, I'm the last one here. Uh, or, or some small combination of people are the last ones here. And Micah and, and Emma are ready to go and get lunch, and they're rolling their eyes at the final conversation they're having that seems to have lasted four hours, even though we've only been out of service for like 25 minutes. And I notice in the parking lot people who are still out there having conversations with one another. Because what's happened here the relationships, the listening, the discussions, the important conversations that we have, the check-in time, the opportunity to hear what's going on in one another's lives, it extends out. And there's a desire to continue to be together. Now, for some of us, that's a completely foreign concept because as soon as you know, the, the final prayer is said, we're ready to go out that back door because we got business to be about. And I don't want to fault anyone. If you have somewhere to go, like in the middle of my sermon, get up and go. Do what you're supposed to do. I'm not going to fault you for that. I actually told Chuck, if he finds that he can't be here till the end of service on a Sunday morning because he's got somewhere to be, I'm not going to hold it against him. But why are we sometimes in such a hurry to get away from one another. I gave my hour this week. (sighs) Service was so long this Sunday. Good grief. Don talked so much in class. Is Don here so I can harass him to his face? No. Don talked so much in class this week. And we went long. Chris doesn't know how to keep it under 25 minutes. If only... I could have that time back. If only I could have spent just a little less time at the church building this Sunday. If only I could have been in Ben Stutzman's presence a little bit less. If only I could have spent less time with Michael Rooney. Sorry, Michael. Sometimes I feel as though we get it in our head that, like, man, I know i got to be at church, but I really don't want to be at church longer than I have to be at church. 
And, and I'll be honest, if service were four hours, yeah, that would be pretty tiresome. But the thing that I come here for on Sunday is not, not for the things we've planned, but for the people that will be here. The things we haven't planned. The conversations that are going to happen, the relationships that are formed, the ways in which we build our body together. I'm trying harder and harder as I approach being a better minister to extend that time out into the week. I know some of you are very intentional about that. You make the right phone calls. You invite people into your home. You sit down and have a cup of coffee with them. That's what I would call lingering. We're not in a hurry to get away from one another, but we're looking for every excuse to be together. Jesus finds the perfect excuse. You know what? Those guys are going to have some trouble catching some fish today. I'm going to show up and I'm going to make sure that they get a haul. There are other reasons he's there too. But he's looking for an excuse to spend more time with his disciples. Because there's a throne that waits above. And I don't know about you, but if someone were offering me a throne, I'd be in an awful hurry to get to it. But Jesus isn't. Jesus lingers and stays and invests himself in the things that his disciples care about, the way that they live their lives, and has conversations that will put them at ease and challenge them. And if there's a lesson we take from the Gospel of John in this idea of dwelling with Jesus, it's that we are called to dwell with one another. In our day-to-day lives, beyond what happens this morning, that we are supposed to be involved in the things that are happening in one another's lives, that we should have conversations that challenge one another, comfort one another, that help us to grow in our faith, We should take an interest in the things that our brothers and sisters in Christ are interested in. But it should also extend beyond the people that are sitting in this room with us this morning. In fact, it should extend to the people that we are ministering to. Because if you look throughout the Gospel of John, what we see over and over and over again is that Jesus lingers with people who don't yet believe in him. When Nicodemus comes to him at night and sits with him and asks him a bunch of questions and Jesus just sits and unfolds the beauty of the gospel in front of him, that's lingering. When Jesus finds himself with the woman at the well and hears her share what she's concerned about and offers her the entire story of her life and the things that she's looking for, in the middle of the day when no one else is around, it's Jesus lingering with someone who is not yet, but very soon does, come to faith. When Jesus encounters an adulterous woman, a woman caught in adultery, and she's pulled out in front of everyone, he lingers as the rest of the crowd slowly dissipates to have final conversation with her forgive her, and to encourage her to go and live righteously. Are we willing to linger, yes, with the people in this room this morning, but also with the people who don't believe in Jesus yet? For me, 
this final chapter of the Gospel of John has meant a lot of different things over the course of my life, but I really genuinely believe that what John is trying to communicate here by giving us his, his conclusion to his Gospel and then one more chapter is an imperative that we linger. You might be saying, Chris, that's all well and good, but you know, Jesus eventually left. He went away to do the thing he's going to do. Now, go read those great commissions again and remember that he says, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age, right? But there's something else that happens throughout the Gospel of John. I've mentioned this just briefly this morning. He promises that someone else will come. He tells his disciples, it is better for you. It's to your advantage that I should leave so that the Spirit may come. And so as we come to the end of this series, I want to give you an idea of where we're going next. Now, we're going to take two weeks between two different sermon series to kind of have a palate cleanser. This has been a long sermon series, and we're going to step back from it for a little bit and take two weeks and just do a couple of topical sermons. Kyle's going to preach next week. I'll preach the week after that. And then we're going to begin a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. Because I think the second thing that is perhaps neglected in the Gospel of John is just, it's not neglected in the Gospel of John, it's highlighted in the Gospel of John, we neglect it in our reading of John, just how significant the role of the Spirit is in the life of the believer. And so we're going to do a a six-week series on the Holy Spirit. It's going to begin September 25th. And it will go through the month of October. Uh, and we're, we're going to really kind of unpack what it means for the Spirit to be present, present in our lives. Now, I had joked around. I was you know, talking with Kyle about what the sermon series would be titled. Uh, I did a series for my youth group in uh, Texas and California called The Holy Spirit for Dummies. And it used the Four Dummies uh, book page and all of that. And I figured that might be a little demeaning. Uh, Youth groups usually like a little bit of demeaning humor. But uh, I decided not to label us all as dummies. But I think for the Church of Christ especially, we struggle with our understanding of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to understand that if Jesus says it's to our advantage that he should go so that the Spirit may come, maybe we should spend just a little bit of time talking about the Holy Spirit. Now you're thinking, what about six weeks? You're going to preach on the Holy Spirit for six weeks? What do you have to say about the Holy Spirit for six weeks? Well, here's the deal. If it's to our advantage that the Spirit should come, and we spent most of a calendar year talking about Jesus, maybe I'm doing us a little disservice by only preaching on the Spirit for six weeks. This is my encouragement to you. Uh, Over the next couple of weeks, pray. Ask that Jesus continues to dwell with you, but ask that you understand better the dwelling of the Spirit in your life. Pray that God would give you wisdom about what it means for his Spirit to linger in his church and to continue to instruct us and edify and build us up. That's something that I think I've not spent enough time in my life doing. And if you're like me, I would encourage you to spend time really thinking about what you know about the Spirit. As a way of us dwelling together, spending more time together, lingering longer, when we have our koine, 
at the, uh, the end, not end of this month, middle point of this month, on the 18th, we are going to have our first potluck in over two years. Uh, and so I'm encouraging you with this. This is logistically going to be a little strange because we're going to have a potluck at the same time as a koine. Our koines are going to happen right after our service on Sunday morning. So I know some of you are saying, how am I going to heat up my casserole? Well, here's the deal. We've got 20 minutes of Friendship 20. Stick it in the oven at the beginning of Friendship 20. Come get your coffee. Drink it for 15 minutes. Go back up there. Take your casserole out. And the potluck is ready. It's wonderful, isn't it? We've got two ovens up there. We'll use them both. Be here for the potluck to linger with people. Be thinking now about what you're going to bring to bless your brothers and sisters in Christ in the way that you feed them. Because Jesus showed up with fish for the disciples. What are you going to show up to feed the body that Sunday morning? I know what the Rockwells are bringing. The Rockwells are bringing encouragement to us about the work that they did in Poland and work they hope to do in the future. I'm looking forward to hearing from them. I think we will be fed. I've, I've heard from Josh. I got to hear from Josh and Amy on Monday night as they shared with the elders. And I promise you, they have a meal for us. They have a feast for us to hear and to, to consume and to be encouraged by. Come dwell with them a little bit. Linger a while as they tell the stories about relationships that they're building with people who don't yet, but might soon, believe in Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we want to be your people. But sometimes we're just in a little bit too much of a rush. And so I pray, Father, that you give us the sense of lingering. of Staying just a little bit longer of not being in a hurry to disconnect relationship and move on to the next thing, but instead to breathe, to eat a meal together, to provide a meal for someone, to take a long walk and have challenging conversations. And Father, perhaps just to never leave. Father, I pray that as we we conclude this series on the Gospel of John, that we now breathe in deeply and anticipate what it means for your spirit to be present in our lives and the way that Jesus was present in the lives of the disciples, and perhaps, Father, even more so. It's all this that we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, if you have need of the church, if there are ways...